Can a simple, consistent improvement of 1% really change your life? And can the strategy of outsourcing give you more time, freedom, and explode your revenue? Well, according to entrepreneur Jason O'Neill, who went from living with his parents and being broke to generating over $375 million in sales with his e-commerce company, the answer to both questions is yes. And that's who you're going to be hearing from on today's Doer's Journey podcast. Welcome to the Doer's Journey podcast, the podcast that will motivate and inspire you to not only be a hearer, but to start being a doer. Because you know deep in your heart that there's so much more in you. The purpose of each episode is to provide you with actionable steps that you can take to assist you in your journey towards your goals. We will have topics that are relevant to you and you'll hear from experts and influencers that will provide you with information you can take action on. I'm your host, Carlos Frank. Now let's be doers and dive into this episode. Hey, 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 Doers Journey family. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. And I just want to personally thank you for listening in. You know, I created this podcast for you. You're the person that's ready to take action. You're the person looking for information and you don't want to just be inspired and motivated, which that's good, but you also want to go out there and take action. So you don't want to be a hearer. You go out there and start being a doer and getting results in your life and whatever area that is, whether that's health, that's fitness, that's in your family, that's spiritually, you just want to go out there and get results. So I just want to thank you for listening to this. And if this podcast has made an impact on you, can you do me a favor? Can you go over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a rating? Go out there, give us a five-star rating and give us a, a an honest review as well. Because when you do that, that helps other people just like you who's looking for a podcast just like this find the podcast. All right. So thank you for doing that. And I appreciate you for listening to this. So let's talk about today's show and let's talk about today's guest. My guest today is entrepreneur Jason O'Neill. Now, I've known Jason for about seven years now, and I've watched him grow his business from starting out at $40 per day, which was one of his goals when he was barely making $1,200 a month. And I witnessed him grow that to over $100,000 a month. And now today, his company has been responsible for over $375 million in e-commerce sales across many platforms. So I think he's somebody that you and I can learn from and we need to listen to. So thank you again for listening to this. And let's dive into this episode and my conversation with entrepreneur Jason O'Neill. I want to start off, Jason, because you and I first met probably, what, 2013, 2014 in another company, Uh, and it was a company where we learned a lot, learned a lot about online marketing and all that sort of thing, and I think one of the greatest things from that company was all the relationships we all uh, got to make during that time, and it's, you know, lasted seven plus years now, Um, but I want to ask you, where did your entrepreneurial journey start? 
it started when I was about 22 years old. I was a college athlete. Um, and one of the worst decisions of my life was quitting after my freshman year. My brother was a minor league baseball player. He was, he was a catcher. And I saw kind of like the politics of the game and it really soured it for me. So ended up moving up to, to, to Connecticut and taking a year off of, of college and I uh, didn't really like it up there, moved up there with my parents, moved back down when I was 21, actually Y2K. If you remember Y2K, the world's going to end, right? right? <laughs> um, so moved back down to, you know, resume my college. I took a year off. I got my associate's degree and I, I was scheduled to go to the University of Florida, had my classes picked out, had the dorm room um, ready to go. And the day before day before I was actually going to move down to Gainesville from Jacksonville, I told my dad, I'm not going, I'm not going to go. Uh, and the reason is, is I recently sat in on a presentation and it, a lot of what I, my business kind of mindset stems from this one meeting that I sat in on. So like, even though it's been a rocky road to get to where I'm at today, um, I learned something really, really valuable at this meeting. They were talking about investments and how compounding interest worked and how given time, uh, anyone can grow wealth if you let your money work for you for a long enough time. So I, I sat in on this, this meeting and ended up deciding that, hey, school's not going to be for me. I'm going into network marketing. I'm going to make it big here. And, you know, that it, it didn't work out, but, you know, it, it, it started me on this journey towards reading books and trying to, to get to a place where, um, yeah, it, it, there was a lot of rough years from that decision. You know, there was a lot of times thinking about going back to school. And I remember in my 20s, I would just think about, um, man, maybe this, maybe this self-employed thing, maybe this entrepreneur thing isn't for me because I'm not making any money. I'm living at home with my parents and, you know, I'm kind of doing these odd jobs to just try to stay afloat. And it, it really, um, stretched me in every single area of my life, you know, for, for, for many years, it was, a looking back, I can say, you know, it was a, it was a great thing. But there was a lot of really tough, tough times um, over the years, you know, from that that decision, which probably ended up working out in the end. Because had I had I went and finished my degree and gotten, you know, a job in the in the corporate world, who knows if I would have ever broken out? You know, I, I always knew when I did have like jobs, I was miserable. Like there was a calling, there was something that was that was just pulling me towards just. I want to have freedom. You know, I want to have time to myself to be able to live life on my terms. And it seemed like every job that I ever had along the way, I was just kind of miserable at it. You know, like I was never happy every day I would wake up, I'd be miserable. And that's just not a way to live, you know? So I, I'm grateful for it, but it, it, it was a, it, it's been a rocky, <laughs> a rocky road to say the least. So now up until the time where we met back in 2013-14, had you started any other businesses outside of the network marketing industry in a traditional brick and mortar or product and service business? Yeah. What, what were yeah. those businesses? Yeah. Um, 
I had a credit repair business for a yeah. couple of years, actually. Um, I was in the mortgage world. You know, that was, uh, I, was a, I was a mortgage loan officer. And uh, as, as the market started shifting, I mean, in the, the mid-2000s uh, or the, the, like, 2004 to 2008, um, the mortgage market was hot. You know, anyone with a, anyone with a pulse could make money in that industry. Um, and the market started shifting. And I remember it seemed like everyone's credit that I was pulling was crappy. This was in the days of subprime lending where you could get a loan having as low as a 500 credit score. And I remember just seeing all these people that had terrible credit. So started an actual credit repair business not too long after that. And we stayed in business for three years, but I remember I was charging, I was charging like $39 every two weeks and people would be bouncing those checks to me. So, you know, you'd end up doing all the work and you don't get paid for it. So you, what, what was one of the things that, you know, you, you learned during that credit repair business as far as what's helped you moving forward with what you're doing now? just little things that you learn along the way of running a business. What I really learned was that the, like we were buying mortgage leads. We were buying leads from companies um, for people that had poor credit mm -hmm. and they weren't necessarily looking for that kind of service, right? It was, it was a, a kind of a mismatch of an offer to what it is that, that they were looking to do. Now we would approach it in, from the angle of saying, Hey, you want to get a mortgage and in order to get a mortgage, you have to get your credit right. You know, so we were able to sell some people on that service. However, it was, it was a grind and it, and it wasn't overall profitable, really. It, it Very, very low ticket type of product. And, uh, you know, what I, what I really learned was the importance of, you know, really marketing. I would say that that's probably the one thing that I've, I've stayed kind of committed to over the last, you know, eight, 10, however long it's been since I very first learned the idea of, of internet marketing. You know, I remember sitting at home on my computer and this was kind of before the, you know, the, the, the modern day webinar that we see a lot of times when people are about to sell some type of marketing message. I, and I would get wrapped up reading these, um, these emails that I would get from these, these marketers and these emails would always have these really, really long sales, sales letters to them. And I just fell in love with the idea that you can, you can, I, I guess, you know, to me, like marketing represents freedom because you have the ability to put a message together mm -hmm. and, um, get people to take a specific kind of action if you understand the framework of of putting putting the entire messaging and the offer together so if anything i got out of it was just putting me on the journey to learning you know the skill set of of being able to market and market well mm -hmm. and and i, I want to visit that or revisit that here in a little while, because there's a couple of things, Jason, you know, one thing that I really admired about you, you know, fortunately you and I were within an organization where I got to witness a lot of the things that you've done and your own growth when it came to marketing. But one thing you did mention earlier, you talked about compounding interest, and this is really interesting that you brought that up because I don't know if you remember this, but, 
when you actually, we made that shift over to e-commerce away from the first company where we were at, you jumped in and you started setting goals. I remember one day you came in and said, you know what? I want to make X amount of dollars per day. And then the next, like a week later, of course, you met that goal. All right, now I'm going to up this. And now I want to make this amount of dollars per day. So when, yep. it, when you said compounding interest, it brought me back to a book. I believe you suggested this book called The Slight Edge. Do you remember that? Yeah, Jeff Olson, The Slight yeah. Edge. So I remember you recommending that. I went out and got it. I actually went out and got the, I think, the CD for it. And that book is phenomenal. And if you're not familiar with it, um, those that are listening to this right now, I highly suggest going out and getting that book. But talk about the slight edge because it does tie into compounding interest, but it's more on the compounding of your, uh, what do you want to say, your not results, but your actions day to day and the things that you do. But you took that and really ran with it and you allowed it to help you with your business. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I, I believe the listener can really get a lot from that. Yeah. So the slight edge, it's all about, you know, 1% incremental improvements. Mm -hmm. um, and the thing is like what really stuck uh, about that and the whole idea of just moving forward in anything is just patience and doing doing the right thing more often than not it's not about being perfect it's about at least moving moving the needle a little bit at a time and as you move that needle a little bit at a time over over time if you give it a long enough time frame the results can be massive. It's the same with anything in life, right? Whether it's financial, whether it's um, relationships, whether it's, you know, health, you know, I think that we, we go into a lot of things as, as just people and we want the end result when at the end of the day, it's the process that's important to, mm. to, to get to the end result. Just like I know that you're big into fitness and, um, you have your, your, your fitness friend, Jeff, and I'm sure that he, he gets the same type of people every eight weeks when he does it, where it's like, people want that result, but it, it's, it's like, it's what you do every day that, that really matters. And as you give it time to happen, good things will, good things will come of it. You know, like it doesn't matter how overweight you are. It doesn't matter how little amount of money you have. As long as you start saving, as long as you start eating healthy, as long as you start exercising consistently, and if you have a bad day, don't beat yourself up over it. You know, like the way that I kind of look at the scorecard as it relates to like 1% daily incremental improvement is there's seven days out of a week. If I'm, if I'm on it uh, for five days and I fail two days, I still net three days out of that, right? Mm -hmm. I'm still up. I'm still 3% better than I was the previous week. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you just kind of go into anything, just knowing that, you know, how do you build something? You build it one brick at a time, right? One step at a time, one day at a time, one word at a time. And, you know, over, if you give it time, I mean, it will, it will work out. I mean, that's my biggest takeaway from that book is it's not about perfection, it's just about forward progress. Mm.
That's awesome, man. And then, man, you, you just hit the nail, several nails on the head with that, Jason. And, and the thing I like is the fact that I actually got to witness this with you. And we're going to talk about your doer's superpower, but I just want to tell you right now, I believe that is one of your doer's superpowers is that you are patient and you're willing to have that 1% growth where other people, you know, they just want the lottery ticket. So, hey, they join a fitness program. You know, I want to lose all the weight and get the abs in one day or somebody else joins another program, whatever it is, investing or, or e-commerce like you're a master in. And, you know, they want to know how to make, you know, $500,000 in quarter four with Amazon like tomorrow. <laughs> and you're like one right of these. <laughs> right. And you're, you're one of, happen. yeah. And you're one of these people that, you know what, you're willing. And here, here's the best word, Jason, I got for it. You're willing to do what it takes to master a skill. Um, I think I have a lot of room to improve for mm -hmm. sure. Um, there, I have plenty of shortcomings. That's, mm -hmm. that's for sure. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I do agree. Patience is definitely, um, I, I've learned how to be patient over the last six years, you know, I'm developing a software, we developed a software and that whole process has probably taught me <laughs> more more patience than anything because like it's hurry up and wait when you're developing a software especially if you don't know how to code and you have someone else doing it for you or you you build something and then you have to re rebuild it or tear it down um i, I would i would just venture out to say you know, it, it's just being willing to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes mm. um, and try not to continue to make the same mistake. I mean, mm. we're always going to make mistakes, but if we can at least take lessons out of those mistakes, um, you know, over again, over time, you'll develop the skill set necessary to, to succeed. I, I think that in order to be successful in anything in life, it requires that you become what that successful person would look like. And depending on what kind of skill set you're working with, anything can be developed. Any skill set can be developed. There's no other than like, I'm not going to be able to play offensive lineman in the NFL. I'm not going to, I'm it's just not going to happen. Right. For the Jaguars, Jacksonville Jaguars. No, they're not going to, they're not going to, I've tried out for them. They won't take me on the team. <laughs> I'm too slow. I'm too small. You know, however, I could, if I wanted to work my way into the marketing department over at the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, like I, I, if, if that was my goal, I know for a fact I could get in the door there just because I'd be persistent enough to do it, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it, there is, I think mastery is a, it's a lifelong pursuit, you know, cause things are constantly changing and if you just again stay moving it, you, you'll always be able to figure out how to navigate you know it's I think one of the biggest challenges that people generally have in the whole entrepreneurial space mm -hmm. um, is they get complacent they get stagnant they they might have like some success one of one of my powers I guess um, would be the fact that, you know, our business model right now from what it was even two years ago is completely different than it was. And then two years ago, it was, it was 
you know, still different than it was in, in the very beginning. You know, we have a, we kind of have like an internal goal at, at our company to create one new revenue stream per year off of the cur- the core skill, the core, the core of what we're good at. It sounds like to me, Jason, that, you know, one of your doer superpower, and this is a question I always ask everybody that I interview, that one skill or trait that's really, that you've really been able to leverage in your life. It sounds like over the past six years with Ecom Solutions that your, one of your doer's powers is the ability to, ability to adapt and change and not yeah. get stuck it just because e-commerce was done this way six years ago you don't buck against the change you just go with the flow and do what you need to do in order to make uh, do the right thing for your company yeah yeah i mean that's exactly it i'm i'm paranoid i'm i'm paranoid that you know something's going to be taken away from me so i'm constantly trying to I'm trying to hedge, right? Um, I'm trying to build walls around my my revenue streams. That way, if one, you know, gets kind of hijacked or one of them, you know, one has someone that scales the wall and gets behind it, you know, I have all these other, you know, kind of like revenue streams that's happening mm-hmm. off of off of it. Um and playing in the space that we play in um, <laughs> with Amazon, it's, uh, you know, you, you're always one, one person or uh, I don't know, one, one negative complaint from a customer away from them, them giving you a hard time, you know, and, and that's enough to scare a lot of people off, mm-hmm. you know, but for me, it's, you know, I, yeah, it's, it really is paranoia more than anything. It's just, knowing what what life was like before uh, to to what it's like now um i want to fight as hard as i possibly can and continue to come up with new ways and be creative with with the process i think i'm at my best when i get to be creative with mm-hmm. something um and 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 the the one thing that probably would separate me from a lot of the people that were in that other company i don't know if any of them are still doing anything with e-commerce i don't know of any that are but the one thing that probably has separated me has i guess been pig-headed stubbornness and pig-headed you know like i'm gonna keep pushing forward i'm gonna Mm -hmm. keep learning i'm gonna and and now we're where we're at with that is you know we're we're in the process of trying it to be disruptive in the whole supply chain you know with with what we're trying to build off of all the skills that we've learned where a lot of people they quit and then they they go to the they go to the next thing and that thing kind of has a short shelf life and i've seen i've seen a lot of the people that have literally like i don't know five or six or seven or eight or ten different things at this point in the same time that we've known each other mm-hmm. you know whereas if they just would have stuck with one thing and really tried to work at it you know how how much further along they'd be by now right and and you know i want to visit that here in a minute jason and let's put a footnote there on shiny object syndrome <laughs> we'll definitely visit that here in a minute but i, I want to take us back a little bit because the listener right now you know they've heard e-commerce they've heard all these things and they're probably wondering a little bit outside of the introduction what exactly jason o'neill does in e-commerce but 
start us off with where you started with that company, where you actually just started selling stuff on eBay and drop yeah. shipping and yeah. what your company does now and the, the problem that you're solving in the e-commerce economy. Cool. Um, yeah. So, so I loved it in the, in the beginning, um, you know, back at the very, very end of 2013, I think December 12th was the day that I made my first ever sale on eBay. And the idea was to take products that was being sold by a big box retailer, whether it's, you know, Amazon or Walmart or Home Depot or Sears or any of these big companies that we've grown up to know, um, to, to mark the product up where people were shopping, right? So that was kind of the beginning of, of this whole love affair with e-commerce, especially marketplace e-commerce. Uh, my strategy is a little different because I leverage these marketplaces, you know, like, well, specifically Amazon where, you know, there's people that are shopping. And in the beginning, I didn't have any money at all. So the idea of drop shipping was pretty cool. I could spend a couple hours a day looking for products and putting them on eBay and soon Amazon. And if someone bought the product from me, I would then go to the website that, that I was sourcing it from. Let's just use Walmart as the example. I'd go to Walmart, I'd fill out the customer's information and I would ship it to them from Walmart and I would make the difference. So I was unemployed in 2013 and I was living on roughly about $40 a day. So my goal, you mentioned um, kind of that, that, that whole idea of like how I had this financial goal. It was really more freedom, right? It was, I mean, when you're, when you're living off $1,200 a month, I mean, you, you get used to, um, you get used to not having a very extravagant life, right? So for me to avoid going back to work at a job that I would, I would have most likely hated because I hated all my jobs um, was $40 a day. That was kind of like the bare bones minimum. If I, if I could make 40 bucks a day doing that, then I could, I could be successful. So I, I just spent a few hours a day and I figured, you know, it's a numbers game, right? Just like in anything, the, if you were, if you were to go ask a hundred girls um, for their phone number, you're bound to get one, even without any game, even without any like smooth talking or anything, you're probably bound to get one that's going to be like, yeah, sure. You're cute. I'll give you my phone number. Um, you know, whereas it was the same kind of thing with, with selling on, on, you know, on eBay or on Amazon, it's always been for us. It's been a numbers game. It's not a matter of, it's not a matter of like what sells it's, you know, I just want to be selling everything. <laughs> you know, I want to be the one on, on every single product that's being sold. The more products that I had, the better the chances, you know, the better the odds that I would make a sale. So focused on that within one month, I got to $40 a day. That's when I started hiring. I, I, I hired a couple people across the ocean that live in the Philippines to, you know, give me some leverage on my time. I paid them... I don't know, like 10 bucks a day and they would give me eight, eight to 12 hours worth of work. And I, I would teach them how to hunt for those products, how to find the products. And that's kind of like where, where everything really started taking off where I, I haven't had a, uh, I haven't had a day of work 
since. I've I've had people working for me since that day, and I get a, a massive amount of leverage from that. So, what was the what was the second um, question on this one? Well, from there, you know, you started with drop shipping, and then yep. you reached your goal to forty dollars per day, and you even, yep. you know, kept on bringing it up from there. Then you hired some some VAs to come assist you, and you started leveraging that. From there, um, where did you go? You started going to Amazon and all that, and now yep. to your company. Walk us through that that story of how you got there, and and exactly what you're doing now. So that's um, when I when I started making sales. Um, it was really cool. Um, I remember being in some Facebook groups, and I would just be posting in there. And this was a time where it was kind of like a new deal, where a lot of people were trying to figure out um, how to make this thing work, how to make some like it, enough money to I, I guess we could call it like the fire your boss money or or whatever you know whatever someone's goal is you know, to make their, to make their, their financial goals. And, you know, we know that in network marketing, I mean, there's a very small percentage of people that actually make money at it because it takes like selling, (laughs) it takes marketing, it takes selling, it takes, you know, interpersonal skills. And, um, I would, (laughs) most people who do like e-commerce or drop shipping, um, they're not like the most social people. Um, no, not meaning any offense to them or anything, but most of them aren't like marketers. They're not salespeople. Mm -hmm. So, um, I remember I went, I joined, um, Russell Brunson's mastermind that year. It was a really, really big investment. It was a $25,000 investment. Mm -hmm. Uh, my idea was going to be to teach people how to outsource, you know, cause that was like the superpower at the time. That was the, that was the secret sauce. You know, when we, when we had that event in Vegas where everyone got to speak on stage or a whole bunch of people got to speak on stage, I remember talking and, you know, you'd have all these people that were like, Hey, I'm doing like, I'm doing like $3,000 a month in sales and I'm really happy with it, <laughs> you know? And then I got to get on stage and I was like, yeah, I'm doing a hundred grand. Mm -hmm. And that right there bought me so much credibility within the community. So when I, when I paid Russell, um, to be in his mastermind, I had a conversation with him and I was like, Hey, here's my idea. I, I want to teach people how to, how to outsource. I want to teach them how to build a team of, of outsourced people. And he was like, okay, but you do this drop shipping thing. You're doing it different than, I've ever heard of. I mean, he, I thought everyone at the time knew that model, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's like, those are the people that I'm rolling with all the people that I'm, I'm friends with know that model, but Mm -hmm. like outside of that little tiny community of people, nobody knows that this thing exists. So he's like, all right, so you need to marry this. You need to take this idea of outsourcing and you need to wrap it around this dropshipping thing that you do. So I, I got to work on it. I built my first ever webinar. Well, it wasn't my first. I remember a year before I did this webinar, I did a webinar uh, and uh, four people showed up to it and I have no idea what I was selling. I can't remember, but I didn't make any sales in it. Uh, but when, when, I, when I did this webinar here, we called it Dropship Hacks. It was our, our, our flagship product where I launched it to people that were inside of, you know, our community of, of people who kind of knew who I was. So like I had a really good show out 
and that night, um, this is what really set, set the world on fire was I can't remember the exact number, but I think it was like 13 people bought. And that was like $13,000 cause we were selling it for $997. And I was wow. like, I just made 13 grand in an hour and a half. So I remember voxing or, you know, that's a little thing that we used to use. I, I, I voxed with Russell. I was like, you won't believe this. I just had <laughs> all these people show up and 13 of them bought. <laughs> and that was actually one of the scariest moments of my life. You know, uh -huh. because it's like now I have, I have people have expectations of me. <laughs> I have to show up. I gotta, I gotta make sure that people get value out of this and you know the first year was was great man it was awesome um uh, everyone that came in was having a lot of success they learned how to outsource you know we took all the people that were in the old program we put them into this one and you know people that were doing two or three thousand were now doing you know much much more and that kind of parlayed into the next thing which was developing the software because mm -hmm. we had an issue right like part of being an entrepreneur is identifying problems and then trying to solve those problems and all of us had the same exact problem you know the way that i've always kind of built my businesses at this point has always been if i'm having this problem other people are having this problem mm. you know so we we invested i think it was six thousand dollars was the was the first ever build out um that's how much it costs to build the first ever kind of version of our of our platform ecom solutions um and we launched it to our our audience our group of people and that automated at the time it automated like inventory management to where you know if a product was out of stock over at one of these retailers it would take it down from amazon and that helped a lot you know amazon has a scorecard so that was a a wild wild success and you know for couple of years we rode that and you know it the, the model itself at this point no longer really a you know one that i would i would call a valid a valid you know model amazon's made it real difficult they've spent the last six years i i think that i take credit for ruining the drop shipping model for everyone because uh, we automated so many of these things that made it possible for a lot of people to have success and it created a problem for amazon that you know, why are we getting all these complaints from people saying they're getting stuff from Walmart? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of them that are complaining now. We did 375 million in sales through it. You know, that's how much has rolled through the rolled through the platform over the years. And I'm I'm glad you said that, Jason, because you know you threw out some numbers out there as far as investments you've made with yourself or on yeah. yourself, twenty five thousand investing it with Russell Brunson, and then yep. investing six thousand somewhere else. And I was going to ask you to to share some of the numbers you've actually hit. What do you recall as as far as one of your best quarter fours? And for those that don't know what that is, that's you know, in the calendar year, the fourth quarter is one of the biggest or is the biggest quarter for people that are in the industry that Jason's in e-commerce, Amazon, FBA, fulfillment by Amazon. But Jason, what's what's one of the biggest quarters you can recall your company's had? Um, this year, actually, like quarter one of this year was huge. We, we were rolling at close to a million a month. We got right close to, to doing a million a month. Um, and that was coming off of last quarter four last year. So we had a lot of momentum coming into this year. And we've, we've really carried all that momentum um, through the year. Last year, we, 
So we've always had like an Achilles heel to our business, which was I am really, really reliant in, on my Amazon store performing, right? Like we had my Amazon store for, for years um, had to be part of the, the breadwinner, right? Like part of the, part of the revenue that we, we made. And Amazon has a way of kind of jerking you around, sadly, um, where you have, you, it's like a great opportunity, but at the same time, you know, it's got its warts, right? And we, about a year and a half ago, we started working on kind of like, uh, like I mentioned, like building that wall. That way, if one of, one of my, what we ended up doing was um, my, my mom has a store um, Tasha, my, my, um, my fiance has a store, you know, so, um, you know, I would fund their stores and, and do everything. Like our team does everything for those stores, but, um, you know, everything runs through kind of like them. And then I provide a service to those stores, if that makes sense from a kind of like a, from an accounting standpoint, if we're, <laughs> we're talking like the setup, the, the, the nitty gritty of it all. But yeah, this, um, and now we have something like 27 stores that we're, we're kind of like running, um, you know, for, for, for ourselves and for, for our business partners, you know, our clients. Oh, so, wow. Um, and the whole, the whole idea behind that was to, make it to where if one of the stores gets, you know, whatever suspended or pegged, or they're going to hold money for a long period of time, that it doesn't derail the entire operation. Right. So yeah, this year has been good. It's been our, I think that it's been our best year so far. Um, I've had some good years. There were some lean years in the last two years ago was pretty crappy. Um, I didn't make any money. Like I didn't barely, I, like everyone that worked for me made more money than I made <laughs> that year. That's one of the downsides of entrepreneurship is sometimes you pay everyone else, but you don't get paid. You know, you got <laughs> to do was, what you got to do sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. You know, um, navigating, navigating around and, and just trying to, 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 to keep your head above water. I mean, that's part of like the whole game of entrepreneurship is just figuring out how to, how to bail water out of the boat. Mm -hmm. So you know, Jason, you mentioned something earlier, again, going back to leveraging, leveraging your time, um, your talents and all of that. Talk to me about outsourcing. Cause that, that is something that pretty much blew everybody's mind. I remember being at that event and you talking about it, but talk to the person right now that's listening to this, maybe that solopreneur that wants to do everything, be the jack of all trades. They want to turn on the lights and do all the marketing and whatever, just do everything. Talk yeah. to us about outsourcing and delegation and how having that mindset uh, can help somebody. Yeah, you know, if you don't have help, um, you don't really have a business, right? You have a you have a hobby or you have a another job, you know. And I I think of like a lot of times I think of like small business owners or restaurants or something. It's like the the restaurant, even the person owns the restaurant, they're not the cook and the 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 host. You know, they're not doing everything. They have people that are capable of of helping. And and I think in any business um 
you need to get help um, in order to grow a business. Now, if, if it's not everyone's goal to have like a big business. Um, however, if it is your goal to have a big business, you need to identify like, what is it that you're good at? And then what is it that you're not good at? What is it that you're willing to, to, to get better at and take on that, you know, cause in the beginning, yeah, you do everything, you know, but for me, for example, like I don't do my books. I mean, I don't, I don't maintain the books. Someone else gets paid to do that. I don't do the software development. I, I, your job as an entrepreneur is to sell your vision to your, to people. Like if you don't have, um, if right now it's just you, uh, and you have this idea of building, uh, let's just say building a software, for example, um, you don't have to know how to build a software. You have to be able to uh, communicate what you want that software to do in order to get it done. And then you can pay someone to do that. You could pay, you could pay really low quality um, people or you could pay high quality people and anything in between. Like you can get people to do just about anything. There's, there's websites out there that you can, you can identify people to do. I'm not kidding. Just about anything within the law, you know, um, within, within reason, within ethics, you know, however, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine having to do everything myself. Honestly, I I've never been able to, I didn't join, I didn't start a business so I could be um, so I could be just chained to it, you know, like I started a business so I could have some freedom. So I think you just have to kind of identify like, where's my time going? Is this, is this business taking me in the direction that I want to go? And if, if I happen to be doing things that I don't really want to be doing, like for in my world, I don't want to really talk to customers that much. Like I, I, I just don't like customer service. So I pay people to do that, you know, and I believe in a customer experience. I believe that people have a good experience, but I'm not going to be the one responsible for delivering that experience to them. Right. You know, my, my job as the owner at this point is to build and sell my vision to the people that, that work and then manage them to, to, you know, just, Hey, are we moving? Are we going in the right direction? What's going on? What kind of obstacles do we have to overcome? But I, I think that you have to, you have to build that skill set to be able to manage other people and and give up some of the control because mm. it's freeing too. I mean, mm. it's freeing when you know someone's got your back and they're going to take care of you and they're not trying to like do harm to you. It's not always easy to find those people, but. I would say it's essential. You have to find them. You have yeah. to, you know, and sometimes like for me, it's a family, it's a family business. I mean, my mom works with me. My, my brother works with me. Um, one of my best friends works right next to me all day, every day. And, you know, like these people, they go to war with me every single day. You know, they're, they're willing to work hard, you know, because they want it to be successful too. So I just think that that's it. You have to be willing to get, people in the door to help you fulfill on your vision for what you want your life to be. And in the meantime, you're helping them, you know, you're putting food on their table. You're helping them take care of their business. 
And I think that's a, a great mindset, Jason. But uh, I also hear this objection. And even when I first started hearing about, you know, virtual assistants or, or other people that can help you in your life, make your life easier. One of the objections, and I'm sure somebody listening to this might be saying it now, well, Jason, you're making $100,000 a month in, in sales or whatever. Yeah. I want to keep every dollar of that. Why would I hire somebody and pay them $2,000 a month when I could just keep that in my pocket? What would you say to that person? Ah, I mean, do you, <laughs> I guess like you do you, if that's what you want to do. I mean, if you want to make $200,000 a month or 300,000 or a million a month, eventually it's going to get too big for you to, for you to do everything yourself. Um, I know for me, the only reason why I've had any level of success, and there's a lot of people that are a lot more successful than I am, but it's, it's because I've had a good quality group of people that have been with me for, for a number of years at this point, you know, and when I believe in investing, right? I believe in, I believe in compounding. And when you invest into people, you get a good return on that investment, you know? So if it's a matter of keeping the $2,000 or getting someone that can help you um, turn that into $10,000, well, it's a good investment to make, right? If, if, if you can't justify the cost of someone because they're not going to help move your company forward, then yeah, like I get it. But the idea when you hire people is for them to be able to help you make more than that $2,000 or however much you want to keep in your pocket, you know, like you're investing into human beings and that can be one of the best investments that you ever make. Mm, I like that. And, and I liked what you said earlier about sitting down and just identifying some things, identifying the things you like to do the things you don't like to do. And I've actually done that here for my podcast. You know, right now, you know, I'm setting things up. I'm doing the interviews, uh, editing, producing and all that. And a couple of weeks ago, I just sat down and actually wrote out the process of my podcast from A to Z. And I started starring the things that I just love to do. Like I love talking with people like you people that are out there doing things, making things happen, just making this world a better place. But some, there's some things I don't like doing. You know, I don't like uh, waiting and publishing and putting these, this thing on Apple iTunes, but it's important. It needs to be done. And so what I did was I started looking, okay, where can I invest some money to get somebody else to do this for me? Because I still want the best quality product. I know it still needs to go on iTunes, but there's somebody who actually likes doing that. So why not pay them to do something that they like to do? And in the end, that frees up my time and allows me to focus on, focus on interviewing people like Jason O'Neill and getting them on the show so people like you that's listening to this can hear from Jason. So I, I think that's excellent. And I would encourage anybody that's listening to this, if, if you're a business owner, or even if you're on a job right now, you know, sit down and write your process out from A to Z and look at the things that you love to do and find out ways you can do more of that and find out what things you can delegate. And real quick, Jason, I just want to share this story. I shared this on Facebook a couple of weeks ago was, you know, even in your own home life, like, you know, cutting the grass, you can outsource that, you know, it might take me an hour and a half to cut and edge the grass 
where there's this guy in my neighborhood who has a business and he's willing to cut it for $45 and edge it. And that frees up my time. And now I'm helping this guy who wants to be an entrepreneur, putting food on his table, like you said, but I'm also freeing up an hour and a half of my time where I can spend it with my family or the business or whatever. Can I give that an anchor? Go ahead. I'll I'll give that an anchor too. So Uh when I hired my first several people to like source products for me, you know, one person can make about four or $5,000 a month if they're just willing to grind it out. Right. That's Mm -hmm. been the, you know, some, some of the people that we've hired over the years to, to source products have done better than that. Um, But you know, you could, you could just grind all day and make about four to $5,000 a month. But um, to get there, it takes, it takes a lot of time. So when, when I hire people or have hired people, I always look at, you know, especially if I'm hiring like an admin assistant to do like what you're looking to, to have done. I look at like, what do I value my time at? And what would I be paying this person to do? You could probably get someone for about like $3 an hour, really, really good to do that and work for you full time and would be editing all your stuff for you. So any, any time that I would find myself doing the two or $3 an hour work, um, I have to remind myself that like someone else could do this and do, and this be their thing. That way my time can be freed up for more of the higher income producing types of things. So, you know, that that's, that's like for us as entrepreneurs, we should be thinking about like highest, um, highest value activity. And we should do that more And anything that's pulling us away from the highest value activity. We need to consider getting someone to help with that. And then, you know, like reminding ourselves if, if you can get someone to do it for three bucks an hour, um, well, you're, you're paying yourself $3 an hour when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And probably let, not your idea of being an entrepreneur when you're paying yourself three bucks an hour, right? <laughs> right, right. And, and Jason, let's put a bow on this. And I, I do want to get clarification because somebody's hearing $3 an hour, $10 a day, which you said earlier. Yeah. And they might be like, well, that's not minimum wage here in the United States. How can anybody be, you know, want to be paid that much? Um, can you talk about that and talk about some of the misnomers when it comes to hiring VAs and that little bit of money, but how it actually does make a positive impact on these VAs that you're hiring outside of the country? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you're hiring people that are in countries like the Philippines who are not, you know, world superpowers. The cost of living is substantially less. Like the American dollar is something like um, 30 of their dollars, like $1 is worth $30 to them. So a couple hundred dollars a month that they make, um, three, $400 a month, to, obviously to us, we can't live on that. But to them, they're, they're able to you know, pay their rent, have their, have their internet, make it to and from work, um, put food on the table. Like it's not a, it's, it's, it's all about, um, you know, where you live in the world, right? Like we know that it, even living in the United States, if you live in New York city, you're going to pay substantially more. So you have to make substantially more than if you live here in Jacksonville, Florida, where the cost of living in real estate is, is substantially le- less. And it's the same 
it's the same thing for, you know, people that live in some of these lesser developed countries that don't have, you know, huge opportunities, you know, like, like for, for, I know Philippines, like a virtual assistant's like a real, it's like a real job, you know, for them, like it's real, it's an industry, it's, it's actually like a big part of their economy, which is, you know, the, the customer service, the kind of the support type of roles that, that they can do. And as a startup business owner, you know, every dollar counts. So, you know, I never fall in love with the idea of you're taking jobs. It's like that job wouldn't exist. I don't have the, I don't have the money to pay someone in the United States what they want to get paid, you know? So you have to kind of like work with what you got. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the beginning for most businesses, um, you don't have like this huge, this huge surplus of cash to just bring on high paid people. You know, you have to work with what you got. And, that's the best way that I found to to make it work as far as like administrative and clerical and kind of mundane types of jobs. You know, like I, I don't you, you don't have to pay someone 12 bucks an hour to to, you know, do like type type something that's typically most likely going to be like a like a data entry type of job. Right. Mm -hmm. You can get someone to do it way less. And, you know, whether whether. I don't know. This is one of those things where some people take offense to it. You're taking mm -hmm. our jobs, but it's mm -hmm. like, no, you're creating jobs. You're creating something that will allow you to create jobs, you know? Right. Like, so I guess it's just all a matter of perspective. Yeah. And, and you know, the, you can have different arguments about that. And my thing is I look at it as a ripple effect that because you've done that, you've been able to hire people here in the United States and now you've been able to create commerce and revenue here in the United States. Uh, it's just a portion of your business. You decided that somebody else somewhere else is happy to make, you know, a good living in their country and now they're helping you and it's just a huge ripple effect. So it's not just that one area that that's being impacted you're impacting, you know, the whole United States, because now you got to have somebody to ship the product. So, you know, whatever, FedEx, USPS, UPS, they're all getting paid. And, you know, it just, it just, it's a ripple effect on everything. So, but you and I can, that could be another philosophical <laughs> conversation. But I do want to, um, you know, wrap this up, Jason, man, this has been a, a great conversation. And I, I do want to go back to our footnote, because um, we talked a little bit earlier about shiny object syndrome <laughs> and talk to us about that as an entrepreneur because especially when you're online and now you got you know everybody's on social media whether it be instagram yeah. uh, facebook and my goodness you you can be on youtube right now and somebody's going to try to sell you something some sort of business opportunity some sort of investment opportunity how have you been able to to fight that off because i've seen you a couple times make a little bit of a shift mm -hmm. away from e-commerce yeah and i always see you come back so mm -hmm. how, what kind of tips would you give somebody concerning shiny object syndrome and how you've been able to fight it off yourself when you've almost fallen into that area yeah you know um <laughs> yeah you see all these people that you know have these wild claims and you know you think it's like ah. Oh, Maybe that maybe it's better over there, you know, and, and, and you, you just kind of like eventually realize that there's nothing perfect. 
You know, there's, there's always going to be issues no matter what, you know, in the e-commerce space, whether you're doing it on Shopify or Amazon, you know, you have, you're going to have the same exact challenges, you know, outside of, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit more big brother over on Amazon, but even Shopify, for example, they have, they, they're, they're quite a big brother as well. It's just not something that you ever hear about. Um, yeah, man, like what, what, what really, um, kind of propelled that, uh, was just a lot of frustration, you know, when, uh, for, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're coming up on like our seventh year of, of being in business and, you know, it's, it's kind of like this roller coaster ride, you know, like I mentioned, you know, Amazon, they can be difficult to deal with. Um, and, you know, there's sometimes where it's like all of our customers are, are leaving, you know, on the software because they're all getting suspended, you know, for, for violating the dropship policy, right? It's something that for years, Amazon didn't, um, they didn't enforce, but now they do, right? It's just, it's, it, it, it is what it is, right? And a lot of our, our best clients have, you know, they've closed down their, their stores. They're no longer doing anything. They're not selling anything. Um, and I started looking at some different things and, you know, like I, I like, I like investing. So like I, I started, I started learning about Forex and I still trade to this day. It's something that I do on the side and I do well with it, but it's not something that I feel like I, I could ever teach someone how to do. It's something that you learn as you, as you do it. You know, it's a lot more attractive to sell a robot that trades for you than it is for you to do it yourself. But that's kind of like a passive type of deal. Um, started looking at like drop shipping on, on Shopify. And I quickly realized that there's just, you know, there's no like edge, you know? So like I look, I, I look at in the market, you want to try to have some type of edge. And I, I keep coming back to what it is that we do because I've invested so much into our proprietary technology, right? Mm -hmm. That is the one thing that I have that nobody else on this world, nobody else on this planet has. And I can build it to do whatever I want it to do. You know, I can, it's like a blank, blank canvas. You get to, you get to make it whatever you want to make it. So, you know, when I, when I've looked at these shiny, shiny objects, I mean, nothing ever really just made sense financially. It's like, you know, you, you, you spend all this time doing this or that when I could just come back to something that I've built a reputation for myself around and find a, find a different way to go about doing it. You know, instead of, instead of, <laughs> I call it like going out in a hurricane and trying to fight the wind, you know, like you're not going to stop the wind. It's going to keep coming. So you have to, you have to change the way that you do things. Um, and that's what, that's what we, we kind of had to sit down as a, as a company and figure out what is it that we, who are we, what are we about and, and how are we going to navigate the new world? How are we going to, how are we going to go about taking all this money that we've invested and get something for it? Cause it, it really was a matter, honestly, was a matter of just walking away and that just was a sour taste in my mouth to just walk away and say, I just spent $700,000 on building this software and I'm not doing anything with it. You know, that's really what it boiled down to was, was, was returning back to 
I know this. Um, you know, sure, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a ton of ways to make money. Um, you know, but this is the way that I know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Well, Jason, as we're wrapping this up, and talk to us a little bit about, or talk to us, one, what you're working on now. And then also let the listener know, you know, maybe somebody's in the e-commerce space or they're interested now in, in what you're doing. Um, talk to them how they can connect with you. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm like the world's <laughs> worst, like online marketer. Um, I, <laughs> um, so you can like find me on Facebook. Uh, that's about the only place that I, I have any type of presence. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's uh facebook.com slash Jason O'Neill marketer is, uh, is my, uh, the URL to my page. Um, you'll, you'll know it's me. Um, I, I run a company called Ecom solutions, which is a, a software company that helps Amazon sellers people who who sell on amazon um so what we've what we've been working on um which is i i love it i think like i'm really excited what what we're doing so a couple weeks ago we uh, on on my son's first birthday we had a um we had a, a presentation that we did i i spent a couple months kind of promoting it a little bit on my my social media i don't have a very big audience or following anymore but i was able to get about 60 people to, to attend. And what we sold was a partnership program to, um, cause we're, we're really working hard on connecting the supply chain. That's kind of, I guess if you say there's been any obsession, it's been that for me to figure out how can I, how can I connect the supply chain to where I have all these retailers who are hungry? They want to find products. They want to have, they want to have a good business. They want to sell on Amazon and they want to do it above board. They want to, be, they want to do it by the rules. So we, we, we kind of fixed the first part of that process. It's not something that's like uh, we could take on thousands of customers or anything because it's more of a business partnership program to where we, we source the products, you know, using our, our technology. Like we put tons and tons of money into this technology to make it easy for us to find stuff. And then we present it to our partners and they decide what they want to buy. And then we receive it at our warehouse. We ship it in for them and they get paid. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a good process. Um, it's a good, it's a good deal for both of us. We make money, they make money. Um, what we're working on right now is that message right there is there. I mean, we could bring in new stores almost at any moment. What we're working on is a business to business marketing message that's going to be geared towards manufacturers of these products that we're selling. And we're going to start targeting them, driving them into a sales message. And the goal is for us to be recognized in the, in the marketplace as a legitimate um, top tier distributor. We're aiming to get exclusivity to these brands so we could share these products, these really popular, really amazing products with our business partners. That way, that way the people that want to make money on Amazon can do it. And, and we, we know 1000% that we can fulfill on that promise to them and they can do it in a way that they don't have to worry every single day that today might be the day that my business gets shut down. 
you know? So that's, that's kind of like our big overarching goal that we're working towards. And it's got me really, really excited to, to get it done. Our offer is done. It's just now kind of tying up the, the messaging and then going after it and seeing what we can create. Oh man, I, I love it. And you know, earlier you had mentioned Jason something and I was going to jump in, but I said, no, I'm, I'm going to hold back. But I, I do want to say this. Um, number one, it's obvious that you're excited and I love it. Your, your energy level over the last uh, two minutes, even though it's, it was been great, this whole conversation, I could just tell your energy just went up about 10 notches as you were talking about what you're working on now. And why I'm saying that is earlier you had mentioned, you know, man, you had invested up to $700,000 or whatever the dollar amount is into this, this, this software. I can't step away from that. And there's times where I don't know if you've heard this saying, Jason, where just because you've spent a lot of money on something doesn't mean you doesn't mean you need to stick with it. Have you heard something like that? (laughs) <laughs> and that's why I was going to, and that's what first came in my head. Yeah. But then there's certain people like you, this is your bread and butter. This is where you catch on fire and you catch other people on fire. And the reason I'm sharing that is, you know, that, that saying is good and cute for certain things. Yeah. Just because you spend a lot of money on something, you need to be able to walk away with it if it makes business sense. And if you're not on fire about it anymore, but for somebody like Jason or for like you as a listener, when you know something is your passion and you've invested a lot of time and money into it, just because frustration sets in or emotions set in or you might have one bad week or bad month doesn't mean that's an indicator for you to have to stop doing something. It just might mean, like Jason said earlier in the interview, it might be time to adjust and adapt to the way the winds are blowing so you can make those moves within your industry. So, man, I'm, I'm glad we had this conversation, Jason. You've been awesome. I just want to, you know, thank you for your time. And, you know, I'm excited for you, man. And like I said, I love the way you move in your business. You move in life. I've always admired that especially, you know, the 1% that helped me out a lot in in different areas in my life and just being patient and trusting the process and and progress, man. So I just want to thank you for all that you do, brother, you know, keep on letting your light shine in your industry and in your life, because, you know, people are watching and being inspired by it. The feeling's mutual. Um, You know, like I told you, this is like the first time I've ever been invited to be on a a podcast. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Thank you for the opportunity to, to just talk and, and, and riff with you, man. It's the, the feeling's mutual. I, I love, I love watching the way that you, you go about living your life too. So, um, it's, it's an honor to get to, to be on here and share this. And I just hope that people that listen to it, get some value from it. Um, it's, it's not always easy. You know, entrepreneurship is a, it's probably the path of most resistance. Um, but it's, it's, it's rewarding, you know, like it's, it it gives you something, it gives you a bigger purpose in, in life. And, you know, in a world where there's so much reason to be angry, um, at least people think there's a lot of reason to be angry, you know, it, it gives you something to fall back on when you're creating something of your own. I love it, man. Well, Jason, again, thank you for being on here. And Doer's Journey family, 
You know, I say this a lot. I just have some great guests that come on here and, and share so much knowledge. Make sure you take action on something that, that really resonated with you as far as what Jason shared with you, whether it's adapting, whether it's the slight edge and, and you know, the 1% progress, or whether it's outsourcing, or just anything else that really resonated with you, please go back and don't just listen to this like we always say take action on the things jason has, has shared and if you want to connect with jason i'll put a, a link in the show notes so you can uh, connect with him you know, online at, at facebook but again appreciate you jason and listeners those listening to this right now remember go out there make it a great day and remember don't just be a hearer go out there and be a doer Thank you for listening to the Doer's Journey podcast. If you'd like to connect on social media, you can go to Instagram or Facebook and search the Doer's Journey podcast and we'll connect there. And also subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. By leaving us a rating, you let us know how we can help you on your Doer's Journey and you also help other people find this podcast. Now go out there, make it a great day. And remember, don't just be a hearer, go out there and be a doer.